Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church and welcome to another Tuesday evening teaching. I'm so glad that we're joining together a couple of times a week outside of Sunday Church to talk about the Word of God. And talking of Sunday Church, why don't you come and join us? You're looking for a new church home and you live on the Gold Coast? Or even, you know what, if you're an unbeliever, come along. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. We'd love to have you there. We're a friendly church, we preach the Word of God. And they're the only things you really should be looking for when you look for a new church home. It has nothing to do with the brand of coffee that they sell you. It has nothing to do with the worship team. It has nothing to do with looking for a husband or a wife there. It's the word of God and are they friendly. So come and join us. And you know, we're, we're talking on Tuesday evenings at the moment about thinking about the cross. That's been our theme. And as Christians, we live with the inspiration of a crucified and risen saviour. God's gift to us on the cross motivates us to unselfish service, or at least it should. And today's message is titled, The Glory of the Cross. The text we're going to concentrate on is Galatians 6.14. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, but you can read from whichever version you like. But when we meet together, bring your Bible so we can read the word together. Galatians 6.14 says, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The scriptures we're working through are Galatians 6, 11 through to 18. Let's read them together. Because this talks about glory in the cross. Verse 11 says, See what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law. I'm talking about the Jews here. But they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. Do we know some churches or some ministries like that? Verse 14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And then there's a blessing and a plea from verse 16. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, upon and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And verse 18, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Sorry, be with your spirit. Amen. Amen to that. Let's pray for our offering before we go any further. We pray for our offering because we want our offering to be blessed. We want it to get to where the Lord needs it to go. So bless the Lord my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name this evening. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Because we do that, don't we? We forget his benefits sometimes. This is our prayer of recognition of your many blessings, Lord. And our prayer of release to, your, to you, our gifts, Lord, of self and of to be your glory. That's what our offering's for this evening, for your glory. And to your name be all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Paul's argument in Galatians 
is that if these Gentile Christians submit to a circumcision as a symbol of their commitment to the Jewish law, they've nullified the power of the cross of Christ. We see that now, don't we? Within different ministries, you have to celebrate um, the Lord on a Saturday. You know what? The Lord's day is every day. You know, well, you can't eat this and you can't eat that. That's the Jewish law. We are not Jews. We are Gentiles. We are a new creation. We are grafted in. Their circumcision in the story today would be a sign of dependence on the law and not grace for salvation. The law is not the gospel of Christ. The law is not a gospel at all. And I know this might offend some people who have gone down the Jewish roots and the Hebrew roots type stuff. We watch what the Jews do, but as Gentiles, we are not Jews. We pray for them. We pray for their salvation. What is it the scripture summed up in text Galatians 6.14? But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I in the world. You know, we have a friend, Nick, who has a book. It's about this thick. It teaches you how to be a Jew if you want to be a Jew. Let me assure you, not many of us, including the Jews, can keep all those rules and all those laws. Paul glorified not in the law, but in the cross. And we should be doing the same. Our first point this evening is Paul glorified in the cross as the test of motivation. What were the motives of these Judaizers? What was Paul's motive? Their first motive was human pride. We see that now, don't we? I keep the Sabbath on a Saturday. That's prideful, especially when you're forcing it down everyone else's throats. Galatians 6.12 says, As many as desire to make a good showing of the, in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For a lot of these people, the cross is a stumbling block. Paul was saying they would make a capital out of your compliance. They would boast of having won you over to their carnal rights. The teaching of the Judaizers was only a pious form of human pride. And their second motive was fear. Galatians 6.12 again says, As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer the persecution of the flesh. Their motivation was fear. In effect, Paul was saying, those who would force circumcision on you have no sincere faith in its value. Their motive is quite different. They merely hope to save themselves from persecution for professing the cross of Christ. Both Judaism and the Roman authorities would tolerate a Christianity that was only a sect of the Jewish religion, wouldn't they? They'd put up with it if it was just a sect of Judaism. But the cross set the Christians apart in such a way as to bring persecution from both the Jews and the Romans. That just shows that they must have been on to something. The third motive was a selfishness or a worldliness. Paul said in Galatians 6.13, for not even those who are circumcised, 
but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. In other words, look at their inconsistency. They advocate circumcision, and yet they themselves neglect the ordinance of the law. This is what Paul is saying. Their motives are those of worldly men. Their basic motivation is selfishness. They want to be able to boast of the number of Gentiles to be circumcised as a result of their efforts. You know, some of our evangelists, we see that. See them down in Cavill Mall in Surfer's Paradise. We got five people saved tonight. Oh, well, I got ten. You know what? You got none saved. The Holy Spirit got them saved. They're boasting in their own efforts. It's wrong. Paul's motive and true to the gospel. He said in Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul placed no value here on his impeccable credentials as a Jew. He could describe himself as a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees. And in writing to the church in Philippi, he listed his entire pedigree. From the Jewish standpoint, these were real credentials. But how did Paul regard them? He regarded them as rubbish. He said in Philippians 3.7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted as a loss for Christ. Paul glorified only in the cross, and we should be doing the same. Our second thing this evening is Paul glorified in the cross as a means of separation. You know, Jesus didn't bring unity. He didn't come to bring unity. He didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring a sort of division. The Word tells us that. The cross separates believers from unbelievers. The Jews deplored the offense or the scandal of the cross. It's a stumbling block. Some Jews might have accepted Jesus as the Messiah. But they could not accept a crucified Messiah, a saviour that was hanging on a cross. They couldn't accept that. They wondered, how could God permit his wonderful being to experience the degrading, agonising penalty of the cross? How could he do that? And the apostles pointed to the Old Testament, explaining that the crucifixion was a part of the Messiah's experience that was described and predicted hundreds of years earlier. Preaching in the temple courts after the healing of the crippled from birth, Peter said in Acts 3.18, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that is, the Christ would suffer, he has this fulfilled. For the most part, the Jews would not accept this teaching, and nor would many of the Gentiles. To the Jews, the cross was a stumbling block, and to the Gentiles, it was foolishness. To Paul, the cross was God's means of salvation. Hallelujah. In personal terms, Paul said of the cross in Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Have you noticed I keep going back to that verse? Because I want you to get it tonight. The world has been crucified to us. It's been crucified to the world. Paul considered his acceptance of the crucified Christ as the end of his life in the world and a beginning of a new life in Christ. Hallelujah for that. We all have that opportunity. To him, the world's appeal was dead. Earlier in Galatians 2.20, Paul declared, I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. He who loved me gave himself. Primary, folks. All other things are secondary. Paul made his boast in Christ and him crucified. We preach Christ and him crucified. Galatians 6.14, again, I'm going to say it again. We're going to keep coming back to this. But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus. He was saying, what is the world to me now? All the things of which I once boasted. Paul also said that he had been crucified to the world. He said farewell to the world, hallelujah. And the world said farewell to him. His life's work was a continuous protest against the spirit of worldliness. Now, how many of you would like to take up that walk? Paul, like his master, was despised and rejected by men. And all because of Christ crucified. The cross separates believers from unbelievers, folks. Don't be concerned when the world doesn't like you. They didn't like Jesus either. And it separated Paul. And it separates us. Our third thing this evening was Paul glorified in the cross as the way of salvation. He continued in Galatians 6.15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. A new creation. Externals do not count anymore. What counts as being a new creature in Christ Jesus, being transformed by the power of God's Spirit. That's what counts. The acceptance of Christ crucified is the only way to salvation. You're not going to get there through good works. You're not going to get there by being the best worship leader in the world. You're not going to get there by anything else other than the cross and Christ crucified. Jesus said on his last journey to Jerusalem in Luke 14, 27, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Are you picking up your cross and following Christ? The cross stands for death. In principle, it is death to self in the act of surrender to Christ. It is the denial of the self that would have its own being apart from God and apart from others. Although it is death, it's also life though. The cross is life through death. It's finding a new way of life by rejecting the way of self-love, self-trust and self-assertion. Aren't they the things that the world tells you? You've just got to love yourself. Just trust in yourself. Yourself. Let me tell you, there are three things that are part of witchcraft. That's what the world wants to get you into. The cross is God's way of salvation. There's no other way. Our fourth thing this evening. I'm going a little bit extra tonight because this is important. Paul glorified in the cross as the touchstone of Christian unity. You know, we were at a fantastic prayer meeting last night and there was such unity within our group. Like I haven't seen in many places ever before. I've got no time for ecumenism. You know that word that's used for church union? I've got no time for that. The proposition that surrender a little bit of what you believe and, and I'll surrender a little bit of what I believe and by and by we'll get together. 
you know what, the Catholics, the Anglicans, the Mormons, the Seventh-day Adventists, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe what I believe. And I'm not willing to give up what I believe to keep them happy. Let me encourage you, church, to do the same thing. Let me say frankly and bluntly that until by, by the Scriptures it is known to me I am in error, I'll not give up one jot or one tittle of what I believe. But I will meet any man at the foot of the cross to have that discussion. That is the touchstone. Are you willing to stand on your beliefs? You know what? Gay marriage got in in Australia because the church was willing to give up some of its beliefs. We now have gay ministers in our churches. We now have churches that call themselves Christians who once were strong churches conducting gay marriages in the name of ecumenism. The man who trusts in the redeeming merits of Christ's death, the cross, for his sins, and only in that, is a Christian. And the one who does not, is not a Christian. If you think that your sins can be washed away another way, I'm sorry, but you don't step up to the mark. The man who throws himself like an empty vessel upon the grace of God, made possible by that cross, is my brother in Christ. And I couldn't care less what other factors there may be. I don't care about their past. If they've thrown their life on the grace of the cross, they're my brother. Listen to Paul again in Galatians 6.15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. God is willing to accept Jews and Gentiles alike. It makes no difference. He blesses all who agree to live by his principles. But the key phrase is here in Galatians 6.16. 6, and as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. The Israel of God is implied, and it's a contrast to the Israel of the flesh. It stands here not for the faithful converts from the circumcision alone, but for the spiritual Israel generally, the whole body of believers, whether Jew or Gentile. The entire argument of Galatians is against creating two groups of believers. It's against creating those two groups of Jewish and Gentile. Paul's clear position is that Jews and Gentiles are one in Christ. Thus the true Israel of God is a bold way of stressing this truth. Paul pronounces a of peace and mercy. Third race of people. Neither Jews nor Gentiles, but Christians. The cross is the touchstone of Christian unity. Now, I know it's been a little bit longer, but this is an important message that I wanted to get out. The cross is not simply a historical event that occurred 2,000 years ago. It's a spiritual fact now. We are involved. Jesus' choice of the cross as God's way to redeem humankind has been vindicated by thousands who, like Paul, have glorified in the cross. The question I've got for you this evening is, what about you and me? Are we actually glorifying in the cross?
I'm going to leave that one with you. But let me encourage you, as I do every time we meet, to be diligent with your Bible study time. Because God has so much more for us than we can get from going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because our God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. And He can make you whole, spirit, soul, and body, if you allow Him to. And you're important to God, you know that. But you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And this year, we're seeing it play out in front of our eyes right now. This year, we know as a year of divine restoration and divine recovery. So let's get into that. Let's get closer to the Lord and see it all come back. And until next time, stay in the blessings.